being here this morning. And uh, if you take your Bibles out and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's reading a story about a butcher who was taking care of his butcher shop and and watching over things. And, and this dog came by and tried to come in and he shooed the dog away. You know, get out of here, get out of here. This is a clean place. And a little bit later in the day, the dog comes back again. And he comes in and he, he looks at this dog and the dog has something in its mouth. And so he gets closer and realizes it's a note. And the note he takes out of the dog's mouth and it says, Hey, you know, uh, I need uh, 12 sausage and two pork chops. There's money in his collar. And so he looks, and sure enough, there's money tucked in the collar, and he takes the bill, and he puts together the meat that's requested and gives the bag to the dog, and the dog puts the bag in his mouth and turns and walks out the door. This guy thinks, man, that's pretty amazing. He said, at the end of the day, I, I want to see what happens with this. So he locks up the shop, and he follows the dog. Dog's walking down the street, stops, sets the bag down, reaches up with a paw and pushes the button for the light to change and picks the bag back up, waits, the light changes, and the dog walks across the street. This butcher's going, man, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. So he follows the dog. He gets across the street goes to a bus stop. Dog sits, looks up at the schedule of the timing of the buses coming and everything, and the guy's going, man, this, this is unreal. And so the bus shows up. The dog gets on walks onto the bus and stops and, and there's a ticket on its collar and the bus driver takes the ticket and the dog sits down and he waits and the bus driver reaches the bus stop and stops and the dog gets off. The butcher follows him. He's going, this, this is unbelievable. Heads toward a house. Heads toward the, the front door of the house and uh, opens the gate and walks in and he's like, this is the most incredible thing. All of a sudden the dog stops, turns, goes around the side of the house takes his head and bangs on the window a few times, come back to the front door. This butcher's standing watching, and all of a sudden this big burly guy opens the door, and he grabs the dog by the scuff of the neck and just starts to scold it and spank it on its bottom. And just and the guy comes out, the butcher comes out, and he goes, whoa, 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 wait, 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 I've been watching this dog. It's the most amazing thing in the world. He said, he could be on TV. You could make all kinds of money with him. This dog is so intelligent. And the old guy looks at him and says, intelligent. He said, it's the third time this week he's forgotten his key. <laughs> New Year's resolution, right? So, so not a resolution, but an expectation. What, what do we expect? What do we expect out of the new year? What are we looking for? What are we anticipating? What is it that we're building toward? The butcher had an expectation of this incredible dog. The owner had a different expectation. Why? Because that dog was his dog and he had worked with him. He had trained him and all those things. So different expectations for the coming year. We all have expectations. What do we expect this year to be for us? What is it that we are working toward? What is it that we are hoping to accomplish? What do we have ahead of us in the coming years, we begin the new year. It's time for us to examine our own uh, pursuits and, and where they are leading us in life. What is it 
that we hope to accomplish or we desire to see in the coming year. In order for us to be in the proper frame of mind, we must understand everything that God has planned for us and that God does plan. Now, I want you to stay there in Corinthians. Keep your finger there if you want to. Uh, But I'm going to turn back and begin today by reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Listen to what God's Word says. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. What are our expectations? There is an appointed time for everything under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What profit is there to the worker for that which in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work of which God has done from the beginning even to the end. He says, listen, it is important for us to understand that there is a time for everything in life. There is a time for Everything that we see and everything that we encounter, everything that we live for and everything that that we sacrifice for, he says there is an appropriate. I think that's so important. He says he has set an appropriate time. Our time is not God's time. Our our vision and our plan, our ideals are, are not always the same as his. And so we need to learn to understand and wait on God's timing. Sometimes we're impatient. Sometimes we're anxious. Sometimes we don't understand. Why does this happen at all? And why did it happen now? But we must understand that there is appropriate time for everything. God has put together a plan... And in regards to that, we must be able to take those, those timings in faith. Trusting and believing in God and believing in His timing and believing in how He has brought things together. God points the times and the seasons. It's His plan. We have to trust that. We live in a world of change. And we have to understand that. Things are constantly in motion and changing. However, 
God never changes. His timing, His planning is always right. It's always appropriate. Appropriate timing, He says, for everything. God has set everything for its time. And so it's important for us as we enter this new year to relax. Trust God. Relax and trust His timing. Relax and believe in what He has in store for us. And so the question is, how do we do that? How do, we, how do we prepare for this new year? How do we go into this new year trusting, having faith, believing in God's timing and that it is appropriate and that He will bring it about when it should come about? Or He will refrain or hold it as long as it needs to be held. But it's His timing. And we must learn to trust in that. And so that brings us this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to begin reading in verse 14. Listen to what the author says. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, remember I always say, when you see that word therefore, ask yourself, what's it there for? What's it relating to? Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, there's another one. Therefore, based off what we just read, what we just heard, therefore, if any man is in Christ... He is a new creature. It's a new year. New creature. New beginning. New hope. A new future. He is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God. What things? The new things that have come. He said when we are in Christ, the old is past, the new has come, and the new things, they are from God. So he says... In regards to that, now all these things, verse 18, are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, here it is again, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and he is giving them instruction in regards to how to be new. How to, to start anew, to start afresh, to, to have a new beginning. And so as we enter into this new year, there are a few things that I see in this text that can help us to have the proper expectation for this coming year. To, to understand the timing of God and, and accept that in faith in this new year and to start afresh. The first one is this. Be controlled by the love of Christ. 
be controlled by the love of Christ. That's where these verses begin. And he says we are to be controlled by the love of Christ. Well, what does he tell us in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37? Jesus says what? We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. He said, be controlled by His love, knowing that He loves us, and in turn, love Him back. Love Him with all of our heart. Love Him with all of our soul. Love Him with all of our mind. Love Him with all of our being. And then He says this, love your neighbor as yourself. You want to enter into a new beginning, a new year, a fresh start? He says, be controlled by the love of Christ, which is a sacrificial love. A love that's willing to give of oneself on behalf of others, hoping that they will accept that gift of love. That's what Christ did when He died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He gave of Himself. He sacrificed out of love, hoping that we would in turn accept that gift of love. And accepting that gift, that it would change and transform our lives forever. Be controlled by the love of God if you want to anticipate a great year in 2023. The second thing we see is this, die to self and live for Him. He's pretty clear about that and the expectation that he sets in regards to that. Look at those verses again. And it says that for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves. I no longer live for me, but he says, I in turn live for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So Christ was willing to die for us to sacrificially give of himself out of a love and a desire to help you and I, to save you and I, to rescue you and I. And out of that love, he calls us then to love him And to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. And he says, in regards to that, stop being selfish. Stop desiring only what's best for you or makes you happy or satisfies you or fulfills you. He said, instead, he said, you ought to want to desire to to what satisfies God. to, To what brings him joy and happiness and contentment and completeness in regards to what he's called us to. Stop living for yourself, he says, and start living for the Lord. Start living our lives in such a way that He is reflected in all that we do and say and everything in life. He says in regards to that, if we will die to self and live to Him, that He in turn then will begin to fill us with His love and to lead and guide our life in a direction that that we will understand His perfect timing. Because there is indeed a time for everything. Live for Him every moment of every day of your life. Third thing. It is a spiritual journey. Keep the flesh out of it. It's a spiritual journey. Keep the flesh out of it. He's very clear about that in this text. He's very clear about what the expectations are in regards to that. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. 
What's he saying? He says, listen, because he died for us, and we in turn have died to self, and we are no longer living selfishly, but we're now living for him, controlled by his love. He said, in regards to that, it's not a fleshly thing, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a fleshly journey, it's a spiritual journey. It's something that we have to be careful about in regards to letting self, selfish, what feels good to me, what satisfies me, what I think I need in life, and not allow that to control me, but rather allow the Spirit of God to control me. Allow the love of God to give me direction. Allow the love of God and His timing to to help me to no longer fulfill the desires of the flesh, but rather fulfill the desires of the Spirit. And the Scripture is very clear. That these two are in opposition to one another. That the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit, the spiritual side, are opposing one another. And he says, so it is a a struggle, it is a battle for you and I to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. And we have a tendency because we see the flesh, we feel the flesh, we understand the flesh to a degree, we have a tendency to go that way. He says, don't do that. In fact, he says, don't even recognize the fleshly things. Recognize the spiritual things. Bring the flesh under control with the power of the Spirit. And as we do that then, the, the timing of God and the different things in life that was a time for everything begin to make sense to us. They begin to, to allow us to understand those things. Fourth thing is this, in Christ we have a new beginning. In Christ we have a new beginning. He said if we are in Christ, those who are in Christ, he said, behold, we are a new creature. We have been created anew in him. And the old things, he said, they're gone. New things have come. And these new things he begins to define for us in that 18th verse. And he says, they're they're all things that come from the Father. They're all the things that are part of that perfect timing and that season that we read about in Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything. And and when we can be controlled by the love of God and we can love Him in return and love our neighbors ourselves, when we allow ourselves to spiritually understand who He is and live spiritually for Him and be controlled by the spiritual side of us, then he, of, of our, our being, then He says in regards to that, that He brings something new to our life. That we are not who we were before. We are changed and transformed. And the old is gone and the new has come. And the new things are from God and they are not the fleshly things of this world. He said, that's where I want you to live. That's where I want you to be. And that's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying, listen, it's just, it's just simple. Just do this. It is difficult because we are humans and we have the human side and the human nature and the fleshly desires. And it is difficult to deal with those and it's difficult to overcome those. And it's difficult as we, we struggle with those things. But he says, listen, let me help you with that. Here's the deal. He said, I have reconciled you and I call you to a ministry of reconciliation. Why does that help us? He says, 
this is, this is how it helps you understand this for just a moment. He said, I have reconciled you. That means that I have brought you back into a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. Because of sin and because of Satan and the fleshly side of things in this earth, he said, we were separated from the Father. He said, I came and I sacrificed out of love and I have done what was necessary in order to bring you back into a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. And now that I've done that, he said, I give you also the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? Well, what does it mean for you and I to have or to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation? Well, let's look at the text and see what he tells us in regards to that this morning. He said, therefore... Um, Make sure I'm in the right place. Nope, skipped over a a line there. I thought, wait a minute, that's not there. So, now, all things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, look at this next verse in verse 19. He says, namely. In other words, he said, let me explain that to you, right? So, he says, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, so he's telling us, what does this all this reconciliation thing mean? He says, because of this, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He said, what is the ministry of reconciliation? It is that we are reconciled with God through Christ Jesus and the sacrifice that He made. And now, he says, we are ambassadors of that. We are called to take that message to those who are lost, to those who are separated from God and need reconciliation. He said, if that's our task, if that's our job, if that's our responsibility that we have to do to carry out, to function spiritually in the family of God, he said, it helps us then... To control the fleshly things. Because I know those fleshly things can become a roadblock, can become a hindrance, can keep me from carrying out my duties of reconciliation. Because others look at me and go, well, if that's what being reconciled is all about, I don't want any part of that. If I let my fleshly side control me. If I let my fleshly side direct me. But if I am living spiritually, controlled by His love and doing what He's called me to do, He said, then I become an ambassador of reconciliation. I am responsible. Do you understand that? You are responsible. I am responsible. Every one of us are responsible to help others know the message of God's grace and love and and to help them to be reconciled. Notice what He said. He said, we beg you. We entreat you. We're doing everything that we can to get you to be reconciled to God because it is so important to us. Let me ask you, when's the last time or have you ever begged someone to be reconciled to God? When's the last time or have you ever felt so compelled to the ministry of reconciliation that is what He has given every one of us To go to someone and plead and beg with them to come be reconciled with God. 
We barely invite someone to come to church just to show up on Sunday morning. When are we going to start begging people to be reconciled? When are we going to start entreating them and pleading with them because we know what a difference it's made in our life and we want that difference for their life? He has called us in this year to a ministry of reconciliation that we might help others come to know the grace and love and mercy and forgiveness that we know. Not just be selfish and keep it to ourselves, but to share that message with others. And then he brings the conclusion to this. All of this, as we began in Ecclesiastes, is in God's timing. It's in His plan. It's in His purpose. Notice what he says as we bring this to a conclusion. Namely, that God, verse 19, was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now, stop right there for just a second. Remember, when this was written, there were no verse numbers, there were no chapter breaks. This was a continuous message. Look at the next verse in the Bible. And working together with Him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't receive it and then not do anything with it. Working with Him, we're not on our own. He doesn't send us out there to do the ministry of reconciliation all by ourselves. We are working with Him, together with Him. We also urge you not to receive the grace of, of God in vain. For He says, listen to this, this is so important. Remember where we began. Everything has a time, everything in its season At the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. At the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, listen to what he says, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Everything has a time. Everything is in God's time. And He has a plan, and we are a part of that plan. And He says, in relationship to that, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time for the ministry of reconciliation. Today is the day of salvation. If you need salvation, today's that day for you. If you know those that need salvation, today's that day. He said, it's time for us to make a commitment. To determine that we are a part of the ministry of reconciliation. And that we will take a stand in His timing, which is now. And we will desire to reconcile others. To come to know the Christ Jesus that we know. And the forgiveness that He offers. What am I pursuing in this coming year? What are my expectations for this coming year? And where are they leading me now? the time of reconciliation. Now is the day of salvation. The reckoning of the Lord. 
This morning, we're going to offer an invitation to Him. If there's a decision on your part, if there's a decision on your heart and in your life, if you want to be reconciled and you haven't been, today's the day. If you know others who need to be reconciled and you haven't been pleading with them and begging them and doing what you can to help them be reconciled, today's the day. We want to begin this new year in a new way, desiring in our hearts, having an expectation that this year will be a year of reconciliation. If you have a decision on your heart, why don't you come as we stand and we sing.